the long national nightmare is over. After B. Frank and I finished recording last night, the Hoyas snapped their 29-game Big East losing streak with an 81-76 win at home against DePaul, who in the last week is now responsible for Xavier's only conference loss and Georgetown's only win. The second-longest Big East losing streak of all time actually belongs to the Blue Demons, who lost 25 straight over a decade ago. Primo Spears spurred the Hoyas' scoring efforts with 21 points and didn't come out of the game once. Georgetown made 27 of 41 free throws in the victory, which saw three DePaul players foul out. It's the first win for the Hoyas since December 7th. They traveled to Madison Square Garden to take on St. John's on Sunday. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Big East basketball fans, this is the Power Six podcast. Big East basketball. I am B. Frank Brian. He is Sam. I am a Seton Hall alum. He is a Creighton alum, and we are here to talk strictly about, no, not just those two teams, the entire Big East conference. Uh, if you're just joining us, welcome. First-time listeners, we we love new listeners Uh just a quick breakdown of how we like to do things. We spend a, a quick minute talking about the standings, run through our power rankings. We talk about the teams that had the best and worst stretch. This is the best part because it is an arbitrary line that we draw in the sand. We try and do it weekly. Things pop up in our lives uh, that do not allow us to do so. Sometimes it is longer than a week. This week, for example, it is over the stretch of 11 days. So that'll be fun to uh, discuss. Talk about the top performers during that stretch, and then we we like to close up the show with two quick segments. One, a weekly question that we have come up with that fans can send in, anyone who is interested, that we will answer on air, and then talk about the games to watch. So, with all that said, let's jump into the standings, if I can find the correct tab. Xavier leading the Big East at 8-1, Marquette 8-2 just behind them, Providence 7-2 a game back of the Musketeers. Creighton, they're not dead yet. Five and three sitting alone in fourth place in the Big E. Seton Hall and UConn tied at five and five, three and a half games out of first. Villanova, four and five, looking to claw back to 500 in Big East as they are 500 on the year. St. John's and DePaul at three and six. Butler, three and seven, just a half game behind them. And our dear friends, the Georgetown Hoyas, all the way at the bottom of the standings that's a quick update of the standings let's dive into the power rankings i think we're i want to keep going bottom up i think it's more fun that way add a little more suspense as we get to the top uh the bottom surprise it's georgetown georgetown still winless in conference play as we mentioned uh coming up on two calendar years without a big east win five and 15 on the season they lost a tight one to villanova and uh, high-scoring affair at Xavier. Any thoughts on the cellar dwellers? The Villanova game that they played uh, on MLK Day, they probably should have won. Um, they yeah. tied them in the second half um, and out-rebounded them 33-21 to and only allowed one offensive rebound in that game and grabbed six of their own. 
Um, what did him in, though, really, uh, aside from kind of a lack of uh, clutch play down the stretch, is that they committed 13 turnovers and uh, 24 fouls. Um, so th those are the types of game that most teams win. But when you haven't won in nearly two calendar years, uh, a conference game in nearly two calendar years, sometimes, um, well, more often than not, the ball doesn't bounce your way. Um, bright spot, though, they shot nearly 54% from the field. Um, and uh, were competitive for a half at Xavier. They were only down six, and then technically they only lost the second half by seven, I think. Uh, but they couldn't really stop a nosebleed, <laughs> giving up 45 points in the first half against Xavier and 50 right. in the second half. Um, in that game, Primo Spears erupted for 37 points, uh, 11 helpers, and three boards. A cook, a cook, added 14 and 10. Um, so again, they're, they're, they're putting competitive halves together, but just haven't been able to put it all together, uh, to get that elusive first conference win. Yeah. You, you mentioned a couple good points there, uh, that I'd like to quickly discuss. One of those, uh, is that Georgetown really does not foul a ton. I have a running, um, Big East spreadsheet basically detailing each team their you know how many games they played how many fouls what what do they average what do the opponents get in terms of foul calls free throws all a bunch of stupid stuff that technically doesn't matter and is pretty uh, you know cherry picked the Hoyas in nine Big East games have been called for just 120 fouls which is the lowest in the conference 13.3 per game they are plus 21 in foul margin. And they have taken 164 free throws to so their opponents, just taking 93 uh, plus 71 in that category. Um, this was by and far the most fouls they have been called for all season long at 24. I, they also lead the league in uh, most games in single-digit foul totals. So take those as you will. But, yeah, it, it, it's a tough their, – their defense really isn't there. They don't have a scoring option outside of Primo Spears, who – was very good at Xavier, but there was nothing else to, to look at there. So the Hoyas will occupy our uh, 11th place spot. In 10th, we both agreed on this one. It is Butler. They beat Villanova, lose by 21 to Creighton, and get absolutely obliterated by UConn in a game that was never close. Uh, not too many thoughts here. I think it's just disappointing. This, this team... It has been injured all season long. We have not really been able to see what they can do at full strength. This is a team that I thought could be good this year and really has not been able to, to prove whether or not that is the case. Um, just disappointing. That's the only way I can put it. Yeah, and without Manny Bates, they're just getting eaten alive on the boards. Um, yeah. he, he actually didn't even play in the Villanova game, uh, if I'm, I'm remembering correctly. Um, and they still managed to score 79 points, which is their most points in a conference game against a team not named Georgetown. Um, that's when Seamus Lukosius exploded for 28 uh, as Jalen Thomas, yep. Eric Hunter, and Chuck Harris scored uh, in, I think, in between tw 10 and 12 points that game. Eric Hunter also had seven assists. So that was the lone bright spot after uh, um, ahead of two pretty convincing losses, unfortunately, for Butler, um, who've, who we've had is ranked fairly high in the top third of the conference maybe uh, a, f a few weeks into the season. But as you said, health. And um, they grabbed 20 boards against Villanova, only two offensive rebounds. They grabbed 24 rebounds against Creighton, only three offensive rebounds. 
end they grabbed 22 boards at UConn only four offensive rebounds so they don't shoot that well and they don't force second chances that won't give you a whole heck of a lot of opportunities to win yeah no more to be said there I uh, I made a last minute switch because I made a mistake in the stand uh, in the power rankings no one but you could see this so I'm gonna be you know man of honor I'll put my hand up we have a tie for eighth I had DePaul at eight you had St. John's at eight. Uh, let's try this again. You had DePaul at nine. I had St. John's at nine, vice versa for the other two. So they're tied for eighth. Uh, we'll start with DePaul. The win, in my opinion, over Xavier in general is more impressive than the win over the current version of UConn, even if it was a double-digit road win. Then the way... St. John's followed it up with that eight-point stinker against Villanova at technically their home court, MSG. Scoring just 49 points was brutal. DePaul has played Seton Hall very well. They played Providence well in both of those games. Providence maybe kept a a bigger gap throughout. Uh, They had absolutely uh, a few chances to win against Seton Hall. So this is a team that could have a couple extra wins. They took out the top team in the conference, at least uh, ranking-wise and record-wise. Uh, so I, that's why I put DePaul just in front of St. John's. I think this would be a very fun first-round, like, Wednesday night Big East tournament game. Oh, no doubt about it, yeah. And um, that three-game stretch uh, over those 11 days since we've last recorded, um, one and two is all that Blue Demon fans could have asked for, and the fact that it came that the win came against Xavier, who had yeah. reeled off eleven wins to that point, um, is is a really nice cherry on top. Um, the only the only reason I uh, had him slotted low is because that was a home win. Um, obviously, yeah. the Cintas Center is nearly impossible to play in. But uh, g- given what you said, I'd pro- if I had to go back and um, redo that, I'd, I'd probably slot him up ahead against St. John's for the reasons that, that you said. Um, uh, five Blue Demons scored in double figures against uh, Seton Hall, and they made nine three-pointers, which they'd kind of struggled from deep previous mm-hmm. to that. Um, Umoja Gibson took took over just down the stretch uh, against Xavier in a gutsy win. Um, He's a Devon- stud. Let me tell you, watching him in person, he is so fast. He can lose any defender, and he it just looks so pure coming off his hands. That – uh. I, I kind of buried the part that I was at that game. But yeah, that was uh, watching him play. He was like wildly impressive in that game. Oh, absolutely. And, and we've talked about how what the Jays look like without Ryan Kalkbrenner, what yeah. St. John's looks like without Joel Soriano, DePaul without Emoja Gibson. Like he, he's kind of sneakily been one of the more valuable pieces to his team um, over yeah. the entire year. And uh, Deshaun Nelson provided a nice spark off the bench uh, in a couple of ga- a couple of those games there. So a- a- as we've talked about, they they've played teams competitively, um, and they're not terrible at home. Uh, took took Seton Hall to the down to the wire, as you said, um, but uh, um, didn't pl- play Providence as tight. But Emosha Gibson again uh, with sixteen five and five, and Deshaun Nelson in that game with thirteen three and two. So. Um, yeah. The I, I will. Uh, it's the last regular season game of the year. Creighton travels to uh, Chicago to play to Paul. Um, I'll be at that game. Um, I back just looking at the schedule. You pencil in an easy W. But um, given the fact that uh, it took 
32 points from Trey Alexander, just an offensive show, and Creighton beat defeat. Uh, defeated Paul DePaul at home on Christmas Day by only 15 points. I put air quotes around only because there was a that the starters didn't play a whole heck of a lot, but DePaul yeah. never quit in that game, and they obviously never quit in these three games. Uh, um, the the huge win against Xavier. So yeah, they're they're as you said a, a, a St. John's DePaul Wednesday night game at MSG could sneakily be one of the more entertaining games in the entire Big East tournament if it were to happen. There's no, uh, there's no saying though that DePaul will be there because they they could very easily overtake a team like Villanova or you know if Seton Hall continues to falter they could absolutely fall down the standings. Another guy to quickly mention is Caleb Murphy is back and he has started or he is here. <laughs> He's played his first two games of the season for DePaul, eight points, nine points, really just getting his feet under him. Uh, he could be a really good piece for Stubbs and the Blue Demons as they move forward. Uh, as we as we just mentioned, Villanova, they are our number seven team. A loss uh, at Butler, followed up by a tight win, as you mentioned, over Georgetown, and then another tight, low-scoring win over St. John's in a game that really could have gone either way. Um, just not the Villanova we're used to is the only way to talk about this team. They uh, they have some bright spots at, at times, and other times they're just head scratchingly bad. And it, this is, uh, there's no two ways around it. This team is struggling and this team will continue to struggle throughout the rest of the season unless someone steps up and is that guy and is that playmaker that they can look toward to, to really uh, help them down the stretch. But in that St. John's game, Dixon and Whitmore combined for three of 20 for 12 points and 18 rebounds. Um, we had talked about those two guys being two of their key pieces along with Caleb Daniels. Fortunately for them, Brandon Slater slept, stepped up. Otherwise, uh, without those two, there really isn't a ton of offense on the rest of this team. They got nine from Archie Diakno, which is huge. And I was going to mention that uh, I've, I've probably shoveled enough dirt on his name um, <laughs> at I probably said the same thing word for word last episode, but yeah, two big threes and then uh, yeah, nine points um, was pretty big for him. And in, in a game that they won by eight points, um, they needed all those. Uh, interesting thing about Villanova, um, obviously their their bread and butter under Jay Wright, kind of live by the three, die by the three. A lot of ball movement, just beautiful basketball to watch, quite aesthetically pleasing. They are only averaging 11 and a quarter assists per game this season. That is uh, bad enough for 293rd in the country. Um, uh, in conference games, they have 12 assists and a win over St. John's, seven assists and a loss to UConn, 16 and a loss to Marquette. That's their that's the high water mark. Eight in a win against Georgetown, 10 in a loss against Xavier, uh, 12 in a loss to DePaul, nine lost to Butler, nine to Georgetown. Uh, in that win, and then nine in their win at St. John's. Um, that's 9.2 in conference play, which is nearly two below their season average. It's um, almost equal to what Tyler Kolick has per exactly. game this year. I, I, it's I, crazy. I, yeah, I, I was going to put those, and, and there are some, <laughs> not like total like matchup or whatever, because they got yeah. 16 against Marquette, but he has games. He, he, he's got to have a handful of games with more assists than Villanova has in Absolutely. a fair amount of these conference games. And just to kind of give you a, 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 an idea of what the conference is, like 20 is basically elite, 18, 19, 20. That, uh, above that is kind of what 
good offensive team shoot for. Xavier's number one in the country at 21.2 per game. Marquette mm-hmm. averages 18.2 per game, which is fifth in the country. UConn is seventh in the country, even though they've kind of gone on a skid, uh, 17.7 per game. Uh, Creighton is 26th at 15.8. Uh, going down, uh, Providence has 14.2. Georgetown has 12.1. That's the closest to uh, Villanova's worst in the conference. DePaul is 13.5. Uh, St. John's 15.3, Seton Hall 12.2, Butler 12.8. So the fact that Villanova, who we've come to know, if you're our age, you grew up watching them basically put on offensive clinics night in and night out under Jay Wright, Mm -hmm. even before they kind of got over the hump of the NCAA tournament. The fact that they're averaging under 10 assists per game in conference play is just mind-boggling. It's uh, unheard of for the modern fan, especially in the last 15 years watching Villanova. So something to pay attention to for sure. Let's see if the ball movement picks up, if they are able to uh, get back on track. Number six, it pleased me so much to do this. I put UConn, you put UConn at number six. Uh, Losing at Seton Hall on a late bucket by Casey Nadefo. Losing to St. John's by double digits at home following it up with an absolute thumping of Butler, as we mentioned, 30-point beatdown of the Bulldogs. They sit at 5-5. Five and five. Um, There's just so many questions about this team. It is, like, why is there a hesitance to play the bigs together? I, I, I don't understand why this is not allowed. Um, but everything... Maybe they're back on track. Butler could be the get-right game. There was a tweet I saw. I, I would love to credit whoever it was. I just can't remember who said it. Uh, that Seton Hall had lost four or five, go in, beat Butler, bounce back and win four straight. St. John's had lost four in a row, beat Butler, win three, uh, win two of three. Um, and now it's UConn, who had lost four in a row, I believe, goes in, beats Butler. Now let's see if they can bounce back. They have a... Challenging week, I would say, uh, with Xavier and DePaul. But the defense looked very good against the Bulldogs. They rebounded it incredibly well, plus uh, 26 on the glass, including plus 14 on the offensive boards. Just turned it over eight times. Got to the free throw line 25 times and you know didn't really take too many threes. So a lot of the things that we had seen that were issues in UConn losses did not rear its ugly head in this Butler game. So... Maybe you can point back and say they've fixed some things. I'm not sure yet. I'm not sold just because of the state of Butler, but they needed that win bad. Yeah, and to, to add to, go, to those teams that have kind of used Butler as a get-right game, uh, that was Ryan Kalkbrenner's first game back from injury after Creighton hit their heck of a skid too. So Even um, better. I don't, know if, I don't know if that's more salt in the wound for Butler fans or – uh, whether that's uh, encouraging for UConn. But yeah, they've uh, lost five of their last seven, I believe, uh, against St. John's, uh, embarrassing loss at home. They committed 21 turnovers and committed 30 fouls, uh, putting a team on the line 37 times, even if I think St. John's shot 63% from the line that game. Um, so the 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 11-point um, margin of victory could have been even more. Um, uh especially in a game that St. John's only shot two of 13 from deep. Uh, Jordan Hawkins obviously went crazy in that game with 31. But uh, as you said, they're kind of Dan Hurley's 
unwillingness to play both bigs together in a game that uh, it wasn't hu a huge margin, but Joel Soriano, uh, who, who we've kind of been pumping his tires a bit, he outplayed Sonogo in that game, not by a large margin, but he was better. Um, uh, the, the lack of a true kind of reliable point guard um, is a worry for this team going forward. Uh, they, uh, against Seton Hall, that one point loss, they committed 18 turnovers and 21 fouls. Um, uh, Seton Hall, I think, shot 25 free throws in that game versus 14 for UConn. Um, a game that obviously UConn relinquished a 14-point halftime lead and only scored 26 points in the second half. Mm -hmm. um, a, a team that is, again, what, top seven in assists in the country, uh, scoring 26 points and a half, no matter who you are, that's not great. But it, it, that that is, uh, e even with a huge 30-point win, the fact that uh, on the road in a tough environment, you can only muster 26 points um, is not uh not great and um a, a, another kind of just little jab at we at uconn poor poor free throw the, the only thing that butler did well in that game was they went uh 16 16 from the line so poor free throw defense from the huskies there um and uh they're not so stagnant offensively obviously uh 19 assists in that game uh against Butler Hawkins had 20 and six Sonogo 17 and 14 very efficient in just 23 minutes a game that the starters didn't need to a whole heck of a lot uh playing time so yeah they're the they're definitely a get right game but not necessarily something to hang your hat on as uh Butler is still severely undermanned um so as you said UConn's got a tough week ahead yeah certainly no rest for UConn, they, they have some games they need to win here and, and they need to do so in, in convincing fashion to get back on track. Um, we just talked about them. Seton Hall at number five, uh, two good wins, road win at DePaul, road wins work no matter who the opponent is. 71-67, I was at the game. Um, just really impressed with the poise the team played with throughout. Not their best performance, but it, it ended up getting the job done. And then the one-point win over... Uh, UConn, as we mentioned, gutsy comeback, just unbelievable effort. This this felt like the turning of the corner, and then they play Marquette and turn the ball over on every other possession. Um, really, just a frustrating game overall because they never gave themselves a chance to win. Marquette was good, not great in that game. I I again, I think Marquette is a great team. You'll see how how highly I think of them in just a few moments. Um, but they didn't do anything special. Igadaro was great. He had 18 points, did not miss a shot. Cam Jones was spectacular. Everyone else was very okay. Tyler Kolick did not have his best game. He had seven points, eight assists, which is crazy to say when you see those numbers. Um, but they turned the ball over 17 times. They shot 33% from three. Like everything, Seton Hall had a good-ish defensive game plan for the most part. Uh, Everything on the offensive end let them down. They took 37 total shots, 26 turnovers on the afternoon. Um, they still out-rebounded Marquette somehow, some way. This game was 24-24 one point in the first half. It, it seemed like things were turning around, and then the floodgates opened up. Marquette scores 50 points down the stretch. Seton Hall manages just 29, and it ends up being a very ugly uh, loss at home. The good news is they'd won four straight. The UConn win covers the blemish. 
now again back to 500 they're level set they have a chance at the ncaa tournament still they just need to keep keep playing their style of basketball they need to play defense and and create their offense out of that but until uh they do that consistently this team will have problems um and you know i i mentioned it a couple weeks ago uh, that this was the most important week of the season, not the one ju- that just happened. The split against UConn and Marquette is exactly... I, everyone would have signed up for that beforehand, so I have no issues there. Uh, the way it happened obviously sucks, but whatever. We're on to this week. This is the week, I said, is the most important because you're taking that momentum of having won four straight. You've got two winnable road games at Butler, at St. John's, that you need. If you can get to seven and five with DePaul and Creighton coming home and split those eight and six in the Big East looks very good and gives you a great chance to win 10 plus in conference play because you still have Villanova twice. And I think this is this is as beatable as a Villanova team may ever be in my lifetime. So uh, that that is that is why this week is so crucial. Uh, I think winning both of these, especially road games, matters more than uh, just about anything else and gives you again little bit of room for a uh, margin for error as you get closer to the uh, the stretch in the season. And I, I chalk up the Marquette loss to kind of just an, it, a letdown after an emotional win at home over UConn. Um, totally. Obviously it, it, it was tied at some point and in a game that you only allow, only allow Marquette to score 74 points, uh, right, you expect right. that to be a lot closer, maybe even a victory. So that's, as you said, something to hang your hat on, but it's on to this next week which is vitally important for uh, Seton Hall's tournament hopes. Yeah, there and there was some other number. I can't find it now, but it was something like 39 points off turnovers for Marquette. Like you're you're not you're never going to win a basketball game playing like that. So forget it, burn the tape. I think that's the best thing to do and just focus on, you know, continuing to uh, play your style. Uh, with that said, we're into the top 5. We have a tie here at third. Uh, we disagreed, shocker. Uh, Creighton, you had at number three. I had them at number four. Providence, you had at four. I had at three. The Friars lost to Creighton, so this is maybe a little controversial on my part to to have that in that order. They lost at Marquette and then beat DePaul at home. Uh, Creighton beats Providence and then blows out Butler on the road. Um, I'll give my logic behind it. Yes, they did win uh, a home game against Providence. I think we've seen the ability of teams to win at home. We have not seen the ability to win on the road necessarily, um, especially against the top teams. I'm not necessarily going to penalize a 7-2 and two Providence team for that loss. That said, this is a power rankings. This isn't, you know, this is supposed to be recency bias. This is not supposed to be a body of work thing. So I am somewhat contradicting myself, especially when you look at the Seton Hall versus UConn split that I had right there. Um, But there is no doubt that Creighton is playing good basketball right now. So I will let you, I will cede the floor and let you talk about your beloved Jays. I will will just quickly about uh, Providence. uh, Things aren't as peachy for them when they're, when they are getting an an insane amount more free throws than their (laughs) opponents. Um, Who'd uh, have thunk? Yeah, exactly. They shot 15 to Creighton's 23, um, and it was pretty deadlocked, uh, 19 uh, to, Car- to Marquette's 20 in consecutive road losses. 
Um, obviously, those are two of the tougher places to play in the Big East. So again, maybe don't penalize them a ton. Um, they out-rebounded Creighton by 15. It was 44 to 29 with 15 offensive rebounds, but uh, couldn't really convert second chance points and shot under 40%, including four of 19 from deep. Uh, they again out-rebounded Marquette uh, 34 to 27 and yanked down 16 offensive boards, but again, struggled from deep, uh, this time four of 18. Mm -hmm. um, and then they again uh, out-rebounded DePaul 40 to 30, uh, driven by a 29-point explosion from Noah Locke and 10 total threes. Um, Bryce Hopkins added 20 and 11. Um, he is good about good, basically averaging 20 and 10 over this last stretch, um, yeah. which is absolutely phenomenal, but we've kind of come to expect it, uh, him putting up those gaudy numbers. Um, and in the game against Creighton, it took him a little bit to get going, um, but then uh, kind of hit a three to tie it at 54-54 um, and was kind of off and running, ended up with 20 points against Creighton as well. Um, it's it, it's a, a good time to be a Blue Jay fan uh, tomorrow tomorrow night. Uh, I'll be a dollar beer night um, or Wednesday yes. night, maybe today as you're listening. Uh, um, doors open 90 minutes early. We're excited for that one against St. John's. Um, weather to come back bid from Providence, uh, who tied the game with eight minutes left. Um, and then handing handing the Friars their first league loss was pretty big. Uh, that that was nice. Um, survived foul trouble to stem the run and then ultimately pull away. Art Kaluma uh, with some clutch layups down the stretch, um, three buckets in the last few minutes. Um, he's he's kind of playing an amateur contortionist the way he can get through the lane at six seven two twenty something. No, that that was pretty that was yeah. pretty fun. Um, Baylor Shireman was seven of eleven in the first half alone uh, with three threes there. Uh, he got a second dunk of the season in the second half, too, which is pretty neat. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, we ended up shooting eight more free throws than Providence. Uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner uh, was huge with 21-7. and seven. Uh, Creighton had 26 points in the paint in just the first half and held Providence to under 40% shooting uh, for the day. Um, Trey Alexander has really come into his own after, hitting, uh, after the skid uh, before the DePaul game, had 20 points. Um, Ryan Emhart did not score at all, and the Jays were only 3-16 from three, but still won in not a totally convincing fashion, but somewhat convincing um, uh, against a pretty darn good team in, in the Friars. Um, we've got a chance to keep the uh, momentum rolling with back-to-back -back home games. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, I mentioned Dollar Beer Night, and then uh, kind of exercise, and then the pink-out game on Saturday against Xavier before hitting the road on February 1st uh, to D.C., um, yep. The Butler game, again, an undermanned squad, but it was good to win fairly convincingly there. Um, really dominated in the, in the paint in that game. It was the first game uh, in uh, that without Ryan Kalkbrenner on the floor, uh, Creighton was actually plus points. There were plus six after being minus 30 the previous four games, which was really good to see at Butler and exercise some of those Hinkle Fieldhouse demons where the Jays had not won since the 2017-2018 season. So um, nervous for this week. Also very excited for it. I'll be at both games. Um, Dollar Beer Night and then the Pink Out. So both will be rocks environments and hopefully can kind of gain some, gain, uh, some momentum um, heading into a, a, a more... A, a more relaxed uh, 
relaxed isn't the right the right word, but an easier part of the schedule um, than what the non-conference and the, the conference slate had been so far for the Jays. So uh, looking forward to it for sure. Opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. That's all I hear right now. Uh, Creighton certainly with a chance. They are very much alive in the Big East title race. Uh, just three losses. There, it's it. I would find it hard to believe that any team would win this league with two or fewer losses. Like the winner will have at least three, maybe even four, um, just given the schedule coming up and how good the top of the league has been this year. Um, as we move on to number two, we both agreed here. It is Xavier. Uh, the loss to DePaul was too much to overlook. They did beat Marquette. So this is, again, kind of a you know recency, but not so much recency. Uh, how much do you weigh a DePaul loss over a win over Marquette? Uh, and then the win over Georgetown as well. Um, they're just playing good basketball. It, it, it stinks because of the fact that they had so much so much, so much of a stranglehold on the Big East, and then sure enough, they go out immediately and lose to DePaul. And there, it's all gone after that. They just have a half-game lead now over Marquette. Um, but they they played well enough. They, struggled, I, they played well against Marquette to get that win. Great environment, a lot of fun. Um, they even withstood 25 points from Tyler Kolick. Um, were able to slow down Cam Jones. Omax Prosper, Iguodaro. And again, they, it's the starting five is very balanced. Everyone had double figures in that game. And our favorite guy off the bench, Jerome Hunter, with 11. So they are continuing to do the damn thing as they, as they like. It's just they can't afford these slip-ups because there will be teams like Marquette, like Providence, like Creighton waiting in the wings for them to falter so that they can you know, make up ground whenever possible. Oh, absolutely. And they've, they're in, in, in contrast to Creighton being on the road, uh, there are three road losses coming against Marquette, UConn and um, Xavier. Xavier has yet to play uh, the top teams on the road yet. So um, their loss to DePaul, they were uh, 12 of 29 on layups with just a couple minutes left. Um, I, I lost track after that. They mentioned on the broadcast, but I think that mm-hmm. um, Jack Nunjay missed Nunji missed one or two, and then Sule Boom missed missed another one down the stretch. Um, uh, so yeah, they they've still got to uh, hit UConn, Marquette, Creighton, and Providence, as you mentioned. Um, I, I'd be pretty com- confident saying that the winner of the Big East uh, will have four losses, really. Um, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, get right game against Georgetown, which. Uh, again, what's that worth? But uh, Zach Fremantle with 30, 11, and seven assists on 12 and 19 shooting. Um, that's as, cl- as complete a stat line as you'll see. Um, he had 18 and 12 in the DePaul lots, mm-hmm. um, but turned it over four times. Um, giving up 82 points to Georgetown. That's a, a bit of a concern. Troubling. Yeah. I, 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 obviously, uh, Xavier can score with just about anybody in the country, but when you're giving up 82 points to uh we, we we keep harping on it, but a team that has not a noted bad game. team. Yes, exactly. That that that's difficult. Um, but uh, two tough road tests are prove it games uh, for Xavier this week at UConn and then Saturday at Creighton, um, which uh, they spoiled the the pink out for Creighton last year and are going to want to do the same thing. So a big week for Xavier um, playing two of those top 
the top tier teams in the Big East on the road. Um, and we know they'll score, but uh, can they get stops when they need to? It is a question and certainly a, a worthwhile concern at this point. Um, you can chalk up Georgetown to just playing to the competition, but we'll find out because this is a prove it week for sure. UConn and Creighton um, excited to see because those are going to be some great games. Obviously, if you can do the math, you know who number one is. It's Marquette. They uh, they did have the loss at Xavier. Again, it's a road loss to who is the top team in the Big East uh, by standings. They come back, beat Providence, blow out Seton Hall, a team that had won four straight. Uh, they are good. Cam Jones is good. Iguodaro is good. Omax Prosper, Tyler Kolick. He, he was right. <laughs> he was right in the preseason. Um, they just have a ton of different guys that can do it for them. They're playing the best offense in the country, I believe, per Ken Palm, um, and just a really, really good unit overall. Defense can use a little work. They play a fun style. They move the ball incredibly well. Uh, it's it's something to watch as long as it's not happening to your team. Absolutely, yeah. And, and as you mentioned, the recency bias, yeah, yeah, they lost to Xavier, but uh, I, I, I tossed them up here to, uh, for avenging the double OT uh, thriller at Providence from earlier in the year. Uh, yeah, it was home game, but um, Providence yeah. is, a, is a team that won't lose consecutive games very often, and they handed them their second consecutive loss. Um, obviously, they, they didn't wow against Seton Hall by any means, um, but still managed to win by 21. Um, uh, Which is scary. Yeah. Exactly. Which is scary. Yeah. yeah. Um, w w without traditional bigs, they're losing some rebounding battles uh, pretty steadily. Um, but uh, given the fact that they can get up and down, and as you mentioned, one of the best offenses in the country, um, their defense, their, their lack of defense is less of a worry than it is for Xavier, at least in my opinion. Um, they don't turn the ball over very much with the ball in Tyler Kolick's hands, uh, which is great. Um, 19 from him again against uh, Providence and 21 from Cam Jones uh, shot nearly 53% from the floor in that game, eight of 19 from deep 17 to 20 from the line. Um, obviously the attempting more free throws than Providence has boded well for teams recently. Yeah. Um, Lots of turnovers against Seton Hall, uh, but they also forced 26 of them. Um, forced may not be the right word, as a, as a fair amount of those might have been uh, I mean, they had something like 50 deflections in the game, so they were certainly making plays. I, my argument is, like, there were unforced errors, no doubt, but it's, you know, when you're throwing a pass into triple team, who deserves the credit, you know? It's, it's very obvious what the outcome is going to be, so... Uh, they were they were certainly active defensively, and I'm not like I don't want it to sound like sour grapes or that I'm trying to take anything away from them. But at the same time, I my rec league team could have had 25, or like we could have forced 20 turnovers in that game. That's how bad it was. Fair enough. Yeah, and um, again, may, maybe uh, looking ahead a little bit for Marquette, they're they're more likely to stay at the top of these as uh, they travel to DePaul and then host Villanova, who, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, um, in, in our lifetimes watching college basketball is as beatable as we've seen them. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're here uh, next episode, but if, if DePaul can lose to Xavier, then, uh, or, or if DePaul can beat, beat Xavier, Xavier yeah. then we may be speaking too soon. Anything can happen. Sky's the limit. Lord only knows what can happen from here. 
Uh, that's our power rankings. Let's quickly jump into our best stretch, worst stretch. We actually agreed on the worst, so let's start there. It's UConn. They have really struggled. The hope, as we mentioned before, is that the Butler win can right the ship because they have uh, not played well these last couple weeks here. Uh, they see themselves at 5-5 five and five after soaring as high as number two in the country. Yeah, and uh, if you'd ask... Uh, UConn fans after the start of the season, if um, they thought that they'd have the same conference record as Seton Hall uh, at this point in the year. Um, they would have said no way. <laughs> absolutely. They, they may have thrown themselves off a cliff. So uh, not too much more to be said about UConn. Um, uh, again, they're hoping to get off the schneid. Um, but yeah, it's, it's no surprise that given the expectations, um, uh, they had the worst stretch over this past 11, 12 days. Yeah, and uh, I had Marquette as my best stretch. We just talked about it. It's pretty obvious. They, they've been impressive in what they've done. Um, the Seton Hall game shows a little bit more of that defensive side than anything. Just the, the weapons they have are just so frustrating and so annoying. They have a great big. They have a stretch forward in Prosper. They have a spot-up shooter or a guy that can create his own shot in Cam Jones. And then they have a point guard that can just distribute the shit out of the ball. Colic, and then it's like plug and play whoever you want is the fifth guy because they're so good. Um, you have a different best stretch. Who is it and why? Um, well, I, well, I will give props to, to Colic uh, and Marquette. Um, uh, the the unbiased uh, Sam would have probably had them at the best stretch as well. But just because technically Creighton was the only undefeated team in this last stretch, love it. Um, that, that, that's, uh, that, that's, they, they didn't play this weekend, but beating Providence at home and then exercising those Hinkle demons at Butler, um, put them up there for me. Um, the, 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 the exciting part is that, um, when the shots aren't falling earlier in the year, they kept jacking up threes, that 10 of 40 number against Nebraska is going to haunt me for the rest of the season. Um, they were three to 16 against Providence, but committed to scoring in the paint, um, and didn't shoot all that well against Butler, if I'm remembering correctly, but owned the paint in that game as well. Uh, 44 to 20 points to the paint in the Butler game. Obviously, it helps that Manny Bates is out. Um, and in, 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 in like interior defense, too, Butler was, I think, 6 of 18 on layups in that game. Uh, mm -hmm. Creighton went more than seven minutes at the beginning of that game without even attempting a three. Um, 24 points paint points in the first half, uh, only four of which belong to Ryan Kalkbrenner. So that means guys are slashed and they're getting to the hoop. Uh, Fred King was pretty big off the bench as well. Um, and an incredibly balanced scoring attack with seven guys scoring at least eight points uh, in that Butler game. Um, 18 bench points, which uh, we've really said, yeah, the you, you can get consistency from Francisco Farabello, Mason Miller. They're not going to turn it over, but can they score? Uh, Sharif Mitchell as well. Um, thankfully, uh, the bench points highest total of the year there. Um, as we mentioned, uh, Fred King had eight points and three boards, uh, and he kind of ate, ate Connor Tur Turnbull's lunch, uh, for Butler, which was cool mm -hmm. to see him really, truly dominate, which, uh, I'm sure Jay's fans are looking forward to over these next few seasons, whether or not Kalkbrenner returns next year. Um, it's hard for teams to game plan for a team that has five guys that can score 10 to 14, 15 points, um, which is what the J starters uh, average roughly um, 
out-rebounded Butler 47 to 24, 11 of which belonged to uh, one of the smallest guys on the floor, Ryan Nemhard, who after scoring zero points against Providence, uh, scored 12 and grabbed 11 boards there. Um, forced Butler into 27.3% on two-point shooting, again, owning the paint, which is great. Uh, and then the first time we've swept Butler since 2017-2018 season. Mm -hmm. um, some interesting stats about uh, the impact that Ryan Kalkbrenner has on the Jays is that since he returned just before Christmas, uh, they're 12th nationally in offensive efficiency and 13th in defensive efficiency, which is good for second in the conference behind Xavier offensively and first in the conference defensively. Obviously, they're a whole different team with him in the lineup. Um, opposing teams shoot just under 42% from uh, two since his return just before Christmas. The next best in the league is 48%, so nearly 6 percentage points worse than that. Um, the Creighton's had the fourth toughest schedule uh, metrically um, up until this point, and it eases up for him a bit. Um, obviously, there's no easy road games in the Big East, but the fact that we've got um, those three losses out of the way to uh, UConn, Xavier and Marquette is huge uh, as we host them at home uh, for the rest of the year uh, mm -hmm. throughout the remainder of the season. And then the rotations have been a little bit more consistent too now. So we know that Francisco Farabello is going to spell Baylor Sharman for a bit. Mason Miller can come in for Art Kaluma, Fred King uh, for Ryan Kalkbrenner to give him a bit, a bit of rest. And as I mentioned, finally outscored an opponent with Kalk off the floor against Butler um, after being quite negative in the previous handful of games. Uh, so those are all some uh, exciting um, numbers and kind of metrics from Creighton, who uh, is technically better than their record signifies. And hopefully uh, this next stretch can prove that. So um, I, I don't want to put them on the best week and then have them <laughs> screw up dollar beer night in the pink out game. Uh, but uh, they're, they're, let's hope not, but coach Mack is known to his teams have known to figure it out and get, get better uh throughout the season really in february for sure but uh mm -hmm. now that we're at the end of january things are looking fairly promising um with three games in the next week um that uh, st john's at home as well as xavier before traveling to the nation's capital to take on the hoyas they're in position to be in position which is the most important thing this time of year uh the the biggest thing to me uh before we move on is that they seem like you said they seem to have found their sub patterns and ways to spell the starting five, because obviously you were going to rely on them, but this is a long, long season. They're going to play 28, 30 games before they even get to the NCAA tournament. And that is a lot of time to wear on these guys, especially when you get to single elimination play in the big East tournament and you're playing night in night out. And then you have to fly, you know, from Omaha to New York to wherever they're going to be positioned in the NCAA tournament. That just adds up. Um, so that's the most important thing moving forward, in my opinion, is just keeping those rotations fresh, uh, and making sure you can keep the big guys, literally the big guys in terms of the starting five, uh, out there when they need to be, uh, top performers. I just have one. It's Cam Jones for me, uh, watching him this week was sensational and the wins over Seton Hall and Providence. He shot eight of 14 in both games. Three steals in both of those games as well, 21 and 22 points respectively. He did only have 12 on 5 of 14 shooting in the loss to Xavier. I would say that's part of the reason why they lost is he just did not have as good a shooting night when your top scorer isn't on. It's tough to win games. But uh, yeah, Cam Jones is my player. Uh, most, let's try this again, top performer of the week. 
There you go. Yeah, and he he he's been nails there. There there would have had to have been somebody from Marquette. I threw Tyler Kolick in there. Um, Xavier really refused to take away his left hand, kind of dumbfoundingly, um, in that game in Cincinnati. Yeah. So he scored 25 on 11 of 18 shooting, uh, dished seven assists and pulled down four boards in that game, um, threw in a block and a steal for good measure, uh, followed that up with, uh, 19 points, eight boards and six assists, uh, including eight of eight from the free throw line against Providence and, uh, avenging that double OT loss we mentioned, um, in Milwaukee and, um, as we mentioned, uh, kind of a workmanlike 7.6 assists to steal game, um, which when in, in, anytime somebody has six assists in a game, you, you never shake your head at that. So obviously a, a longer stretch, still stringing together a fair amount of games. Um, another one, uh, Bryce Hopkins, we said it, it's kind of just wake up, roll out of bed, get 20 and 10, see you next week. Um, 20 and 10 at Creighton in 34 minutes, 19 and 10 with four helpers at Marquette in 38 minutes. He scored 20 points, uh, grabbed 11 boards in uh, 37 minutes, and that went over to Paul. And he's shooting just over 50% in that stretch, so very, very efficient as well. Um, model of consistency and the Big East player of the year is his to lose at this point. Um, yep. Somebody who might be right behind him uh, looking over his shoulder is uh, Joel Soriano. Um, obviously we've mentioned how Ryan Kalkbrenner might be one of the more valuable players in the conference to his team. Um, in the top tier without Joel, Joel Soriano, St. John's is a, an exponentially bigger mess. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, he had 19 and 14 in, in, uh, the win at UConn on a very efficient seven to 10 shooting. Um, obviously offense was hard to come by against Nova at, uh, Madison square garden. He, he only went four of 11, but still scored 14 and pulled down 16 boards. Uh, and he get, got to line free throw line eight times, making six of them. And then, uh, another kind of Homer pick for me, but, uh, seeing Baylor, Baylor Shireman kind of settle in and, um, well, not necessarily settle for three-point shots, um, but really get into the rim, um, space in the floor, and uh, kind of he, he we, we really saw UConn him kind of get the mid-range going, which is really nice. Um, obviously, that's before this stretch, but his, he's fitting the system more. I think he's he's like learning how to play within the system instead of you know he he knows what he's good at, but Mac is just unlocking that potential. I think. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and. Um, I mentioned that he kind of went crazy in the first half against Providence, uh, 7-11 just in the first half and route to 19.7 boards and three assists. He had three threes in that game, followed that up with a solid. And another kind of not eye-popping, but workman like 12.5 assists night uh, and two of Creighton's three, uh, three threes against Butler. Um, so he has at least two threes in every single game this season besides the UConn loss, um, which when, you, when it, again, he's, I think he's only scored 20 points once this season. Uh, that was 20, his high watermark's 25. But when mm -hmm. you can count on, uh, obviously, but two threes, at least six points from him every night, and then being the facilitator that he is and grabbing rebounds. like Rebounder, yeah. Exactly. That, that's the one of the passing and rebounding are the most valuable parts of his game. And he's obviously incredibly gifted offensively as well. So um, I, I kind of had a laundry list this year for top performers of the stretch. Um, but uh, yeah, Bryce Hopkins, Joel, Joel Soriano, Tyler Kolek, Baylor Shireman. Three of those four will probably be Biggie's first team. Baylor might not be, um, but uh, obviously the, the, the best players are playing well when their teams need them. And yes, yeah. how it's going. 
That's a great way to put it, and it, it certainly is happening. And that that's what makes the Big East fun. Um, I was sitting here, you know, it's it's not fun to be five and five, but it is fun just being a part of the Big East Twitter sphere and just the league in general. Um, penultimate segment, we are going with our weekly question, and this week it is the most surprising game results or run in recent memory given Xavier losing to DePaul. Um, I will let you start first since this was your idea. Yeah, uh, for me, um, first thing I thought of uh, – was 2018 um, after starting 0-11 in conference play, which uh, Georgetown may um, may may get after this next week, but probably won't want to run like this. St. John's, led by Shamori Ponds, beat Duke at Madison Square Garden, who was ranked number four in the country at that point, and then Villanova on the road in Philadelphia, who was ranked number one in the country. Uh, consecutively after starting, as I said, 0-11 in the Big East. Um, Shamori Ponds with 26 against Nova and 33 against Duke. Uh, that was St. John's first win against Villanova in 14 tries. And then uh, also their first win over number one team since 1985. So I remember way back in our Big East Power Rankings blog, um, uh, hat tip to that, um, we we'd kind of call them the best team in the country for those two games. And then uh, after that kind of returned to their level a little bit, but Shamori Pons was an incredibly special player. And that was a run that is going to be pretty darn difficult to duplicate maybe ever. Yeah. It's uh, you know, they beat a Marcus bag, Marvin Bagley, excuse me. I always mix up the two Gary Trent, Trayvon Duvall, Grayson Allen, Wendell Carter, (laughs) really good team at Duke. Uh, and it was guys like Tariq Owens and Justin Simon doing it for St. John's. Uh, Pons had 33. Bashir Ahmed had 19. Like these are names. Some of these names I'm completely forgetting. Uh, Tariq Owens was obviously a solid forward. He had 17 points in that game. Um, but yeah, they, that is a fun one. That is definitely one I remember happening. Um, the other one, just because it's so timely, is Georgetown's run to the Big East title. Uh, hat tip to you for the uh, reminder or uh, tip, maybe. But that that stretch of games is why the Big East tournament is the best conference tournament in the country, bar none. Um, it is so much fun. It is so exhilarating. Everyone cares. Every single fan base cares. Like, if you asked... Would you rather win the regular season or the Big East tournament? The answer is obviously both. But I think there is something to be said about being able to go to Madison Square Garden for three games, winning all three of those, and being able to celebrate in the city right after that. So, ironically, that is the last time Georgetown has won a Big East game. But uh, they made. Do you remember they, who they beat? They beat Providence. There's the no, Jays. Creighton, <laughs> yeah. Um, they maybe maybe they will get a win tonight. They are winning right now as we record against DePaul, uh, up by three in early second half. But uh, as we close out this week, what are the games you are looking forward to? Uh, we said it was a prove it week for Xavier. Uh, Xavier at UConn. Um, how will Bex play really in a hostile environment on the road against a UConn team? with so much to prove obviously yeah. UConn's pissed off they've underachieved greatly uh in this past extended stretch so that uh 
that that's one a on my games to watch list. How about you? I've got uh, Marquette to Paul, and it's for a number of reasons. It's a short trip for Marquette. It's an easy game to overlook. To Paul, especially if they can find a way to lose this game to Georgetown, is at its you know most beatable point. Um, but I think DePaul is a team that just loves to run, loves that tempo, loves that kind of back and forward, like you hit a shot, I hit a shot kind of game. Um, and that's certainly what we could see here uh, in this one. I'm going to throw Providence at Villanova as well. Even though Villanova is down, it is still a tough place to play. Providence can go in there and win this game easily, I think. But I, I will be intrigued to see what good teams on the road can do. That is what this week is really all about. Oh, no doubt. And another good team on the road. Uh, we've I've talked about it, and I'll, and I'll be there. Xavier Creighton for the pink out. Um, Jays are still undefeated at home, um, but uh, they can play spoiler. And um, depending on how the UConn game goes for Xavier, um, we may be kind of dealing with a caged animal who is going to want to score a hundred points and run the score up no matter yeah, whether defense be damned basically. So uh, as you said, good teams on the road. Um, it's, it's that time of the schedule. There's marquee matchups every single week. I'm glad you mentioned Providence at Villanova. Um, a lot going on in Philly that day, obviously mm-hmm. uh, th- th- this weekend. Um, but uh, those games, will always be fun. And, and as you mentioned, Providence should uh, win that fairly handily, but uh, Xavier should have won that game against DePaul fairly handily as well. So we, we never know what might happen, especially Providence and Villanova, a uh, great rivalry throughout the years. So, um, yep, those, those are the games of the week in our opinion. That is our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as always, you can catch us on Twitter at B. Franklin 1993 at SCN1410. Love how it rhymes there. Uh, go Creighton. Go Seton Hall. Go Big East basketball. Have fun, everyone. We will see you in about a week, depending on, uh, as is tradition here. But take care, and we'll see you then.